Welcome to our monthly mailbag, where I answer questions you submit about baseball history. Today's theme, submissions about team names. Today, on Rounders, a history of baseball in America. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Rounders, a history of baseball in America. I am, as always, your host, Jeff Lambert. Before we get started, I always try and begin by saying thank you for taking time to either listen or watch this episode. It means a lot to me that you make this a part of your day. You know, one of my favorite things about doing this show is getting to interact with you, the listeners and the watchers, now that we've started a YouTube channel. If you haven't checked that out, please do so. I get a lot of feedback from you. You know, sometimes they're comments, sometimes they're questions. And the questions I get, usually I try and turn them into episodes and give credit back to the people who submit them. Uh, But sometimes I get questions that don't uh, warrant a full episode to be able to answer. And I've got a bunch of these just sitting around and I want to start doing something with these because you're asking them and I'd like to give that feedback, you know, to be able to keep the conversation going. So I'm starting what's known as a monthly mailbag. And basically how this is going to work is I'm going to ask you once a month to submit questions that you'd like answered about baseball history. It can really be about any topic. I love doing the research and I'm more than happy to cover them. So basically how it works is you can leave your feedback to me and I'm going to to collect them all into different themes and answer them on a month-to-month basis. So I love the feedback. Keep it coming. It means a lot. And, uh, you know, there's different ways that you can choose how to be able to submit questions to me. So you can choose to message me on social media. That's how most of you choose to do it. So I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Rounders Podcast. That's one word, Rounders Podcast. You can also choose to email me. I have an email address, rounderspodcast at gmail.com. You can choose to shoot me an email if you want uh, to submit a question. And another really neat feature, if you want to hear your voice on the show for everybody else to be able to hear, you can submit a voicemail to me that I will play. I'll play you reading your question on the show in the future. And you can do that by just clicking in the show notes, whether if you're watching, it's in the description. If you're on the podcast, it's in whatever podcast app you're using, show notes. There's a link there that you can click and record a message right in your browser. You don't have to install anything. And And I'll take that and I'll listen to it and I'll hopefully include it in a future episode. If you want the URL, it's really simple. It's actually the website with just a little extra. It's anchor.fm forward slash rounders forward slash message. That's it. So those are the ways that you can submit messages to me in the future. I would certainly love to be able to include you in future episodes. So today, we're going to be talking about team names. I've received some questions related to naming conventions in the past or questions about team names that have popped up from previous episodes. So I've lumped those all together into today's episode. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get to it. All right, question number one comes from Jack. Jack sent me an email and he said, quote, in your last episode about games outside MLB parks, You mentioned the Cleveland Indians used to be called the Naps. What's the story behind that name? Well, first of all, Jack, thank you for submitting your question, and I'm glad that you enjoyed the last episode that we had on this topic. So yes, we did talk very briefly about the Cleveland Naps. We were talking, of course, about unusual games being held in neutral locations, and we had talked about the Cleveland Broncos playing a game outside of Ohio to be able to skirt Sunday law rules to be able to turn in a a profit. And so even though they weren't called the Cleveland Broncos, I mentioned that they had been called the Cleveland Naps 
previously. So why? That You're right. That's a very odd name to be able to uh, stick to a professional club. So I'm going to jump really in, really deep into the history here, uh, just to kind of give you a background as to how they came to that name. And it is quite interesting, honestly. So basically just going back in Cleveland's professional baseball history, their first professional club started off in the 1890s. And the first name of that professional club was actually the Spiders, the Cleveland Spiders. And that was one of the names that made it to the final round of naming conventions when they were choosing what to replace the Cleveland Indians name with. They wanted to kind of go back to their roots, but of course it didn't win out. We're going to talk about that a little more in a bit. So the Cleveland Professional Baseball Club started off as the Spiders in the 1890s, and then you fast forward to 1901, and they adopted the name the Blues in the, uh, for the 1901 season. So they were known as the Cleveland Blues. But that only lasted one season. And in 1902, they ended up changing their name to the Cleveland Broncos. And that's where we talked about in the last episode uh, what had occurred. Now, during that 1907 season, something really critical happened for the Cleveland Baseball Club. They acquired a player named Napoleon Lejoie. And I actually spoke to a former colleague of mine who's Canadian. They, they gave me the correct pronunciation, so I hope I'm hitting that correctly. But Napoleon Lejoie, he was acquired by Cleveland in a trade with the Philadelphia Athletics. Now, you might be asking, who's Napoleon Lejoie? Excuse me. His nickname was the Frenchman, if you haven't guessed by now. But Napoleon was one of the greatest players of the dead ball era. And when I talk about the dead ball era, I'm talking about roughly between uh, 1900 to 1919, where we didn't have a lot of offense in professional baseball. And of course, this really came to an end as a result of Babe Ruth entering the league and really starting to make home runs more of a prevalent uh, part of the offense you know, that you would see in baseball games. But during that about 20 year time, Napoleon Lejoie was one of the top offensive players in the league. So he actually had a very long career. He played for 20 years. He played from 1896 to 1916. So in 1902, he gets traded to the Cleveland Broncos, right? And right off the bat, this guy made a difference for the club. I mean, so coming into Cleveland, this is the type of guy that Cleveland was getting and why the fans were so excited. He had won the Triple Crown in 1901. He, by the end of his career, had won five batting titles in the American League from 1901 to 1904, and then again in 1910. He was the home run leader in the American League in 1901. He led the league in RBIs three times. I mean, this guy was, like I said, one of the top names. We, we know Ty Cobb. That's a common name. It was actually Napoleon and Ty Cobb who were constantly in this kind of rivalry to, to, to become the biggest name in offense during this era. And they actually had a, a legitimate rivalry between each other. They didn't like each other much. I mean, there were, I think there was some professional respect, but they were, they were definitely rivals in terms of who the big name was. And Napoleon Lejoie was actually elected to the Hall of Fame in 1937. I mean, this guy is maybe not a household name today, but especially back then, if you landed a guy like this, everybody's losing their minds because he was that level of player. Cy Young, the great Cy Young, this is what he had to say about Napoleon. He said, quote, Lejoie was one of the most rugged players I ever faced. He'd take your leg off with a line drive. He'd turn the third baseman around like a swinging door and powder the hand of the left fielder, end quote. <laughs> so high praise there from the great Cy Young. So uh, Lejoie, Came to the Cleveland Broncos. He was in his prime. Like I said, the previous season, he had already won the Triple Crown. He had led the league in home runs. I mean, this guy was on a tear. Right from the start, Cleveland was just uh, 
so excited that he had joined the club the that season the 1902 season the club had averaged maybe you know 2000 2500 fans a game as soon as napoleon joined the team their attendance jumped to over 10,000 fans a game so people were showing up for this guy he led the american league in batting average that season so they they didn't end up finishing with a great record in 1902 because they acquired a mid-season. They finished with a plus 500 record, but I think it was fifth in the American League. So, you know, it wasn't great. But this guy's here. He, he wants to stay in Cleveland. Cleveland's excited to have him, obviously. He's going to turn around the franchise. That's their hope. So during the 1902 offseason, after the 1902 season ended, between then and the 1903 season, there was uh, something that occurred. The Cleveland Press, the large newspaper in the city, ran a reader's poll, and they asked the team for name ideas because it had already been kicked around to change the name of the team anyways. So the Napoleons, the idea for the team name, the Napoleons, came in first place. So that was what the club changed their name to, the Cleveland Napoleons, in honor of Napoleon Lejoie, and that was shortened to the Nats as a result. So there you have it. The Cleveland Naps. I said Naps for a second. I'm sorry. Naps. Napoleon Naps. So there you go. The name stuck between 1903 and 1915. So they were known as the Cleveland Naps for, for that long of a time, for 12 seasons. And it stuck until Lejoie left. He left after the 1915 season. And then after that, the name was changed to what we know it today as the Cleveland Indians. So we see a team name attributed directly to their best player. That's not something we see at any other time in professional baseball history, to my knowledge. So it is interesting why they were called the Naps, because it was really because of that superstar player they were able to land. It wasn't a great ending for Lejoie in Cleveland in terms of the success that came with acquiring him. They never really got past being a 500 team while he was there. But that didn't stop the fans from loving him, and obviously they rewarded him by naming the team after him. So there you have it, the Cleveland Naps, named after Napoleon Lejoie. Boy, I'm wondering if I'm going to get some <laughs> feedback from French-speaking fans who are like, oh, you're slaughtering that, but uh, doing my best. So there you go. Question number one. Again, thanks for submitting that question, Jack. Question number two, and this ties in perfectly to question number one, which is why I included it. Uh, Big Sean 87 on social media sent me the question, and this is what he had to say, quote, the woke police finally convinced Cleveland to change its name. I think the Guardians is a horrible name. What do you think? Well, uh, you know, as a rule, I try and keep my modern political opinions out of the show because I think as a historian, our job is to look at the information in front of us and try and keep anachronism at a minimum and try and look at what happened during the time period and just present the information. I obviously have feelings on that. Probably not something I'm going to jump into as part of the answer to this, but I do have some reasons why I think the Guardians is a good name change for Cleveland. And I'm going to go over that real quick just to help keep the lights on. We're going to take a quick break for the seventh inning stretch. See you in a moment. Hey everybody, it's Jeff, the founder and host of the show. And I have some exciting news for you. In addition to the baseball history podcast, you know, and love, I'm launching a weekly email newsletter in it. You'll find a link to each new episode along with curated baseball history news, stories, polls, and more. It's completely free, and it's a simple way to enjoy the Rounders show that you love even more. And for those of you who would like to support the show as a subscriber, 
you can easily become a member by signing up using the link in each newsletter. For just $5 a month, I'll send you a weekly email with bonus episode content, including our newest show, This Week in Baseball History, where we take a look at the major stories that happened throughout baseball's past and how they relate to America's pastime today. As members, you'll also have opportunities to vote on future episode topics and participate in exclusive events, such as the Rounders Fantasy Baseball League. If you'd like to send me a small token of your appreciation just once a year, we have an annual plan that will save you money over the monthly fee. And if you really enjoy the show and you want to send me a more significant contribution, I've created a Rounders Starting Nine tier for an annual payment of $100. You'll have my eternal gratitude and have your name included in the episode credits as a show producer. In addition, you'll get to choose the topic for one episode each year, and you'll get a free Rounders Starting Nine member t-shirt. Most importantly, you'll continue helping me grow this show. I'm grateful for your support, and I look forward to sharing more of the best stories from baseball history with you in the future. Click the link in the show notes to sign up for the email newsletter today, or go to rounders.substack.com. That's rounders.substack.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the show. For those of you just joining us, and I'm not sure why you joined mid-show, but here we are. We're uh, answering questions submitted by listeners to the show. The theme to kind of tie everything together is questions about team names. So we are about to revisit a question that I presented before the break that was submitted by Big Sean 87 uh, He has an issue with Cleveland changing the name of their professional ball club from the Cleveland Indians to what's going to be starting for the 2022 season. Season, the Cleveland Guardians. Now he's asking me how I feel about that. Let's get into it. So overall, if I had to summarize my feelings, I guess in in uh, a short thesis before I jump into why I think it's a good name, I think that it's a good change. And the reason I think it's a good change before I get into that, I think we have to recognize that team name changes, especially in baseball history, but not not uh, limited to baseball history. There have been name changes throughout our, our, our history of this professional baseball uh, existence, and it's been to geographical reasons, it's been for cultural reasons, and yes, it's been for political reasons. Uh, the Indians wouldn't be the first name change that we've seen. There have been other teams in professional sports that have changed their name well before this moment that was brought on due to political-based pressure to see some some equity line back up. Let me give you some examples. In 1873, there was a team called the Philadelphia Whites that existed for two years. Historians debate whether they were called the Whites because of the players that played on the team or whether it had something else to do with the geographic location or the local culture. But that only lasted two years and due to pressure from the local population that was changed. So there's one example. In 1930, the Negro Leagues had a team that was run by a, uh, well, not uh, um, completely by a group of white owners, but partially owned by a group of white owners, who named the team the Zulu Cannibal Giants in the Negro Leagues. And that lasted for eight years, I believe, and then it was changed in 1930 due to pressure actually from the local African-American population uh, because of the obviously derogatory um, nature of the name that we see. 
We see this a lot in high school sports before we've reached this point. I mean, 1981, which doesn't feel that long ago to me considering I'm an 80s kid. But if you think about it in the context of now, we're talking about 40 years ago, there was a Pekin High School in California. Their name of their team was the Pekin High School Chinks. And that was changed in 1981, folks. And I laugh not because I think it's funny. I laugh because, you know, we're talking about very overt, I think, um, references when we're talking about team names. Um, A more recent example, we had the Wapaton High School WAPs who changed their name in the 1990s due to backlash from local Italian-American population. If you're not familiar with the term WAP, that was a derogatory name given to Italians without papers. Well, it wasn't just Italians, but it was synonymous with uh, the Italian population. And so that was changed to the Huskies in the 1990s. So why do I mention all those things? I just kind of want to give you more of a global view and say, this is not new. This is not like the first time this has happened. We see other examples of this that go back all the way into the previous century, where we see team names change due to pressure from some some political or, or, or social movement, I guess is my point. The reason I like the Guardian's name, though, is because I think that Cleveland did a good job trying to not just change it for the sake of changing it, but changing it to really tie into the city's culture and history. And that's really the goal of any team name. You want it to exist to reflect who the people are. So it wasn't just a random pick to pick the Guardians, I guess is my point. So just to give you a little background as to why they chose the name the Cleveland Guardians, there's a famous bridge in Cleveland known as the Hope Memorial Bridge. Now it spans over the Cuyahoga River, hope I'm saying that correctly, and it connects downtown Cleveland to its more suburban residential upscale areas, right? And the bridge runs actually, you know, once you get to the other side, it runs right by Cleveland's baseball stadium, Progressive Field. Now, on either side of those uh, of that bridge, on either side, there are four large sandstone columns, two on one side, two on the other. And both sides of the bridge depict these, these large titans with these winged helmets and these crowns, and each of them are holding a vehicle, some, some sort of automobile. And they're known in Cleveland by Clevelanders as the Guardians of Traffic. These are huge statues. They stand 43 feet tall. They've been a landmark in the city since 1932 when they were built. So Clevelanders know this landmark. It's driven all the time. It's right next to the park. And actually, the guy who helped build this bridge, who was very influential in its actual construction, was actor Bob Hope's father, hence the renaming of the bridge to the Hope Memorial Bridge. So, yeah, the name was chosen out of more than 1,200 submissions, and the fans had a direct say in that choice. So we see Clevelanders really embracing and saying, we want to pick something that we're all familiar with, that has power in the name, that's synonymous with who we are, and that's why the Cleveland Guardians name was chosen. So I'm always a fan of seeing team names um, reflect their city in some way, shape, or form, you know. Um, and, uh, I guess setting aside the, the history of the Cleveland Indians name, I just want to go into saying, I don't think it's a horrible change. I think that there was a lot of thought put into it and I like the reasons behind why it was chosen. So we'll just leave it at that for question number two. Thank you for your submission though. I very much appreciate it. So that leads us to question number three. And this question also came on social media from username boom HR. Boom Homer, I guess you could say. He asks, quote, what do you think is the worst team name in baseball history? Well, 
this is a tough one for me because there are some doozies that uh, have existed throughout baseball history. Um, I tried to pick one that lasted, you know, more than a season. I tried to pick one that has some relevance to professional baseball as we know it today. You know, not like a a club from um, Ohio back in like the 1860s, you know, things like that. So if I had to pick one, and the Cleveland Naps could certainly receive consideration, although I understand the reasoning behind choosing it, there was a club known as the Brooklyn Bridegrooms, and that is my pick for the worst team name in baseball history, the Brooklyn Bridegrooms. Now, you may be asking yourself, why? Why would they choose that name? Well, this was the real club name, and it lasted for two seasons. It went from 1888 to 1890, and then again, it was adopted from 1896 to 1898. So they went back to it after choosing it. The Brooklyn Bridegrooms. Think about that for a second. Go, Bridegrooms. I can't imagine what their mascot looked like, although they probably didn't have one at the time. But um, where did this name come from? That's really when I want to dive into the ludicrousy of, of choosing a name like the Bridegrooms. Well, look, during this time, uh, during the 1880s, the professional baseball club in Brooklyn was known officially as the Brooklyn Baseball Association or the Brooklyn Club. That's where the two names that, you know, that they were mostly referred to. But the press started referring to them differently after the 1888 offseason because of the fact that during that single offseason, four of the team's star players got married in one offseason, right? So the press started referring to them as the Brooklyn Bridegrooms, and then we see it actually adopted in the branding, the language, the, the, the fan gear, I guess you could say, for, at the time period. The actual branding of the team became the Brooklyn Bridegrooms. That's how they were referred to. So I guess you could make an argument, well, that wasn't on the charter. The point is that what they were known as in professional baseball during this time, the Brooklyn Bridegrooms. That lasted, like I said, for three seasons, and then we see it shortened to the Brooklyn Grooms Later on, the Brooklyn Grooms, which comes in a close second for worst team name. And then they switched it back to the Bridegrooms. So they hung on to it for, for almost five years, which is pretty impressive for a name like that. But the name was finally laid to rest in 1899. And you would think after a name like the Brooklyn Bridegrooms or the Brooklyn Grooms, there must be a great option coming down the pipe that they would change it to. Is this the time where we see the Brooklyn Dodgers come up? No, there was a kind of an awkward time period for Brooklyn naming their teams. The team name change that occurred when they went away from the Brooklyn Bridegrooms was they actually changed it to the Brooklyn Superbas. 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 I believe they were trying to do a name play on Superb. The Superbas. So there you have it. Bridegrooms to Superbas. Okay. <laughs> right. So look, overall, if I had to just give you a quick history about the bridegrooms, now you know why they got the name. They were a pretty good squad. They won two pennants under this name. They won the pennant in 1889 and 1890, and they won one. They switched uh, associations, actually. They switched league. They won one pennant as a part of the American Association, and then they moved to the National League, and they won a pennant in the National League as well. And they're only one of two teams to win back-to-back -back pennants in different major leagues. So go bridegrooms, I guess you could say, right? So there you have it. That's uh, my pick for the worst team name in baseball history. Uh, not much creativity there, certainly not much that fans can get excited about, but Hey, the team played well. So I guess you can take that for one, uh, you know, piece of, uh, of solace and why they, uh, went with that name. So there we have it folks. 
three questions about team names that were submitted by you. I want to thank you so much for taking time to submit those questions for me and just having a conversation. I really do enjoy that part about having this show and putting it together is the interactions. I've met so many uh, amazing people uh, doing this show, and that's really what makes it worth it. If you would like to support me financially as I'm trying to grow this podcast, uh, which I am trying to do little steps here and there. Consistency is most important because I do love doing this. You can choose to uh, support me by leaving me a tip. Yeah, I'm not asking you to sign up for any sort of monthly uh, subscription base at this point. We're going to keep it simple. If you like the show and you want to buy me a bottle of iced tea or you want to contribute towards what I'm currently saving up for, which is a better uh, video camera to be able to upgrade the viewing experience uh, for these episodes. You can submit me a tip through PayPal, the Cash App, or Venmo. I've included links in the description and the show notes. It goes to my personal account there, so don't get thrown off by that. Uh, but I would appreciate a tip if you'd like to show me your appreciation for the episode. You know, whether it's a $1 or $100, it's great. So overall, though, the best thing that you can do for me is just listening and watching the show. That's what means most to me. So thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, overall, connect with me on social. It's a great way for us to be able to begin a conversation. And of course, you can submit your questions that way as well. So folks, as always, remember, there are only two seasons, winter and baseball. Have a good day. <laughs>